0: Well, happy happy first day of fall. Happy first day of fall. I have been strategically cutting my grass. My neighbors, they all cut the grass like crazy. See, and I've been thinking, you know what? I might be able to get two less cuts than all my neighbors if I wait just a little bit here and a little bit there, a little bit here, and I think I got, I think I did it. I th- I'm going to cut my grass here next week, maybe, and I think I've gotten two less cuts now. Maybe I won't cut it because I, I want it to be my last cut for the year. That's what I'd like to have, but I don't know if I can get away with it. We'll see. But it's a it's a challenge. It's a challenge, and you know, even with even with with change of seasons, you know, it, it's it's there's always a challenge in a change of seasons. This is a, a seasonal time. In the Bible, this is a season which it should it should concern all believers in the body of Christ. Should concern all of us, and it's it's the season of tabernacles, feast of tabernacles, which is known as Sukkot. Okay? I'll tell you a little secret. You know, there's there's in in the in Hebrew there's two dialects. There's Ashkenazi. That's Eastern European, and there's Sephardic. That's more, Mediterranean. Uh, and it's going Sephardic. Well, when I was a kid, I just learned Ashkenazi. So the first time I heard someone say, "Hey, it's we're celebrating Sukkot," I said, "What's that?" See, we used to call it Succos. We celebrated Succos. I knew what Succos was. We I used to celebrate Succos. You know. But, but sukkot, what is sukkot? Is this is something new, you know. So I didn't realize it's the same thing. It's just like it's just like when I was a kid, I had my prayer shawl on, and we used to call it a talis. Now they're putting on a talit. What's a talit? Oh, it's a talis. Only it's in it's in Sephardic. And what's crazy is all of all of Israel, and the diaspora is they're all going with the Sephardic now. So. What Hebrew I know is kind of, is kind of like old-fashioned. You know, it's going out. You know, before we pray, I want to talk about this season, and you're going to see why it's so relevant to you. Uh, I want to explain something. Uh, the people at Beth Messiah they said, Frank, I thought you wanted to have you were going to have a a a, sukkah, a booth, in the parking lot. I said, Well, the pastor of the church said no and he said no for a couple reasons number one um he said yes before because he didn't realize there was going to be all this road construction and there that would take up a parking spot and we need every one of our parking spots so no Uh, he said no and someone said uh, what about next year i said well i'll have a talk with him I'll have a talk with him. We'll see how lenient he is. We'll see if his congregation even wants one. Because we have to, I said to these, some of these guys, you have to remember that it's not our building. Our building this belongs to Grace Christian Fellowship, and they've been so gracious to let us use it. And as I'm talking like this, I'm feeling like a schizophrenic, you know? <laughs> you know, because I'm, I'm talking about me. So bear with me. But this is a feast, this is a feast, a feast of tabernacles is more and more churches around the U.S. are, are, are preaching this. Um, my friend um, Juan Yapur, some of you remember Juan, his, his wife Maggie, remember Juan? Juan goes around to Mexican churches and he speaks on the... Um, the Feast of Tabernacles and, and the great meaning it has to the church. And because he, not many of them understand this, he gets asked to speak during the season quite, quite a lot. Now, it's, it's a message, it's a seasonal message, much like Christmas. You know, you have your Christmas messages, and Easter, you have your Easter messages. And these are biblical times. And actually, when we talk biblical, This is actually, the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot is more biblical even than Christmas or Easter. Christmas and Easter are wonderful holidays. I love them. But they're commemorative holidays. They're commemorative holidays, and I love them, okay? We, my wife and I, we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate Easter, but we do, but we, um, we understand that they're, and you understand, they're commemorative-type holidays, and you cannot find them in the Bible. They're not what we call biblical holidays, okay? And some people get on this tangent, ah, they're not in the Bible, da-da-da-da-da, I said, knock it off, knock it off. You know, these are good holidays, they're commemorative holidays, and we, we celebrate. We celebrate our, our Christ's birth, we celebrate that he rose from the dead. I said, these are wonderful times to celebrate. I am all for Christmas. I am all for Easter. But there are also biblical holidays, okay? And Paul said that all Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable. Now, when he said that, the New Testament wasn't even written. You know this because I say it many times to you. It was not written yet. So when he says all Scripture, he's referring to actually the, the, the Torah, or some people call it in Greek the Pentateuch. These are the first five books of Moses, okay? Now... Now that you know that, already knew, most of you knew, before I pray, I want to ask you three questions. Okay? Now, there's going to be a thread of similarity between these three three questions. And at the very end, I'm going to ask if you know the thread that goes between all three of these questions, okay? Uh, the first question is this. Why did God instruct all Isra- Israelite men... To wear fringes. What I mean by fringes um, on, on a, a prayer shawl. These are these are called the fringes right here. Why did he? Why did God command all the Jewish men to wear fringes on their garments? Okay, and these fringes, they're called um, tzitzit, tzitzit. Tzitzit. Okay. Tzitzit, like the like the tsetse fly almost, but the tzitzit. okay the reason he did this was to help them remember god's commands in fact all tzitzit are wrapped a certain way and someday I'll, I'll talk about how they're wrapped and what it actually means they're wrapped a certain way and um so the people remember god's commands see when you were seat seat there so you remember god's you look at it and you say oh remember god's commands and the fact you're to pass them on from one generation to another. Let's read about this. In Numbers 15:37. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, throughout the generations to come, you are to make tassels on the corners of your garments. Those tassels are what we call tzitzit in Hebrew. With a blue cord on each tassel. You will have these tassels to look at. And so you will remember all the commands of the Lord. That you may obey them and not prostitute yourself by going after the lusts of your own heart and eyes, then you will remember to obey all my commands and will be consecrated to your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. So we see that they had the they were to wear these seat And if you go to Israel, you'll see a lot of the Orthodox. They will not wear a prayer shawl, but they'll take there's something there's a they attach them around their belt and they kind of let them dangle down, you know. And uh, sometimes even you go to these Orthodox parts of Milwaukee and you'll see the same thing. They'll, they'll be wearing those seats. And they're to so you remember, remember God's commands and to do right. Number two, question is this. Why did God instruct all Israel to celebrate Passover for all generations? How many think they know the answer? Raise your hand. How many are not sure? How many don't care? Okay. Okay. Again, to help them remember, remember their deliverance from slavery um, in Egypt. It was to remember Exodus twelve twenty four. Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants um, when you enter the land that the Lord your that the Lord will give you as He promised. Um, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does a ceremony mean? Then tell them, it is the Passover sacrifice of a Lord who passed over the houses of Israel of, of the Israelites in Egypt, and spared our homes when He struck down the Egyptians. Okay. So again, we see it was it was so they would remember and be able to pass on from one generation to another. Third question. Uh, it's taken something that the Apostle Paul said to the believers at Corinth about. Uh, communion in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. 23 for I for before I received from the Lord what I what I also passed on to you the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood uh, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me so we're to re- when we partake of the of the cup we're to remember. Now, which is a true statement for partaking of the communion emblems? Which one's of the three you have three choices A B or C. A, the emblems must be kosher wine and matzah that was made specifically for Passover. That's option A. Option B, the emblems must be red grape juice and bread. Or three, the emblems can be any drink or bread. Now, how many would, which which one do you think it is? A B or C? How many say A? No, how many say B? No, how many say C? Right, C. Yeah, my wife and I—we've taken communion at a restaurant. We use we use water, and we use we use a uh, salting cracker. You know, just taking communion together. These are emblems to remember. They do not turn into the body and blood of Jesus. Contrary to some teachings, they do not. We do not believe in transubstantiation. That that's something that doesn't. Blood and his body okay so C is obviously the right answer because the drink um, the drink and bread are to they their memorial emblems they are, they are to be objects that we partake to remember the Messiah's body and his blood so would you agree with me that God knows we tend to forget yeah would you agree with me that God knows the power of of images and repeating things yes so this tells tells us God tells us to do things to help us to remember and we do these things to remember what what they mean so in the Old Testament there were things that you did to remember and we see in the New Testament even in communion we do things to remember now with that in mind let's pray Heavenly Father, thank you for this season, and God, I pray that I'm able to explain. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So we see the common thread between those three questions in the pop quiz was to remember. Remember why? So you can remember for yourself and pass on to the next generation. These are things that we see, help us to remember. And it wasn't man's idea, this was God's idea. Now today, um, we're still in the celebration of the Feast of uh, Tabernacles or Sukkot. It's also known as the Feast of Booths. Booths, because what people lived in were little shacks, they were like booths. In Leviticus 23:33, the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, on the 15th day of the seventh month, the Lord's Feast of Tabernacles begins, and it lasts for seven days. The first day is a sacred assembly. Do no regular work. For seven days, present offerings made to the Lord by fire, and on the eighth day, hold a sacred assembly and present an offering made to the Lord by fire. It is a closing assembly. Do no regular work. Every time I read that, do no regular work, I I, I get a conviction to clean my garage. Because cleaning my garage, believe me, is no regular work. Okay? These are the Lord's appointed feasts. Appointed feasts, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies for bringing offerings made to the Lord by fire, and burnt offerings, and grain offerings, sacrifices, and drink offerings. Required for each day. These offerings are in addition to those uh, for the Lord's Sabbaths, and in addition to your gifts and whatever you have vowed, and all the free will offerings you give to the Lord. So, beginning the fifteenth day of the seventh month, after you have gathered the crops of the land, see they've already gathered. They've gathered the crops of the land. This is actually this festival of Booths is actually a agricultural type festival. So after the people gathered their crops of the land, uh, celebrate the festival to the Lord for seven days. The first day is a day of rest, and the eighth day—you say for seven days, but then you talk about an eighth day. You notice that? Notice I keep on saying that. It says seven days, but then the eighth day—the eighth day is 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 something uh, in Judaism. They they go through. They go through the the scroll, the Torah. And on that eighth day, it's it's something called Simcha Torah. And that's when they wind it back up. And they start reading all over again. And it's a very sacred day. It's a fun day. Um, Celebrate this as a festival of the Lord for seven days. Uh, this is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come, celebrated in the seventh month. That's this month. Uh, live in booths for seven days. All native-born Israelites are to live in booths. So I say, hey, I'm not a native-born. I wasn't born there. I'm not a Sabra. I don't have to. No, even those in outside of Israel are to do that. So your descendants, listen to this. Why do you do that? So your descendants will know that I am, had the israelites live in booths when i brought them out of egypt i am the lord your god what an object lesson what an object lesson so you got that you got your house built your crops are on your house is done your crops are come in and then god says all this comfort everybody out of your house and go live in a shack leviticus 23:41 Celebrate this as a festival to the Lord for seven days each year. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. Celebrate it the seventh month. Live in booths for seven days. All native-born Israelites are to live in booths. So your descendants will know that, that I had the Israelites live in booths when I brought them out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So today, now listen, so today during Feast of Tabernacles, most traditional Jewish people, Uh, most messianic jews not all and some uh, christians they build a sukkah a sukkah is a booth it's a temporary booth like structure and the fact is today do they really live in it no they don't really live in it anymore but you know if you if you if you uh, have a meal in it once a day. Uh, it's considered a good thing, okay? But we have to remember it's so you remember. The important thing that you, that you even have a sukkah, well, it's an object lesson. It's, a, it's an object lesson so, so you can remember to pass on to the next generations. In the same way, you say, well, do, do we have to partake of, of the communion emblems? Well, you know, is it that important you take part of the, of the communion emblems, or the fact that you just sit there and you talk to your children about what it means? Which is more important: that you actually partake of it, or that you really explain it to your children? So it's a controversial type thing. So, you know, besides that, what if you live in Alaska? Okay, or you're or, or you're one of the you live in. Above the Arctic Circle, you know, and, and you live in here, you're, you're going to live in this sukkah, this, this booth, um, no, no. But it's amazing they'll still they'll still make one, and just to look at. Okay, there's all kinds of rules and regulations to how they should look at. You know, you say Frank, do you have a sukkah? I say, well, yes and no. I do have one. I bought years ago. I bought a huge type of a tent. It's a dwelling. I call it my New Covenant, modern-day sukkah. Okay, and you put it up, and you decorate it, and you're supposed to eat in it. Um, this year, I, I you know, I, maybe I'm a bad Jew. I don't know. I, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't put one up this. I didn't put one up this year. But I certainly fulfilled the the the, the, the fact is, I remember so I can pass on to my children what it all means. I have fulfilled that. Okay, you know, to, now when when a Jewish person sees a sukkah, it says something to them. When a Gentile sees a sukkah, it says something to them. Now, the sukkah is a powerful image, powerful image, because kids see that and they say, "Mom or Dad, what is that? What's that?" Well, to the Jewish person, um, the sukkah helps to define. Our past. It reminds us that we are descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It reminds us that God delivered us from Egypt and we lived in booths as we traveled to the Promised Land. It reminds us of our unconditional covenant relationship with God through Abraham. It reminds us of of, of God's protection and His provision, and it reminds us that God does not have any favorites because. Everybody was to in those days was to live in a sukkah. You say, how about the, the, the leaders of a, of a communities? Everybody, if the people if the people lived, they are so poor they lived in a shack. They lived in another shack. If somebody had lived in like a mansion, you know, an Israelite mansion in those days, they still lived in a shack. They still everybody was to do it. That God is not a respecter of persons. Now. When a when someone from the church sees a sukkah, it's a powerful image, and I want you to know the image, because if it's okay with you folks, and it, I'll talk to the, uh, you know, um, I'll talk to the, the rabbi of the congregation of Beth Messiah, and we'll get together on this, and And we'll just make a decision whether the people of Beth Messiah will allow a sukkah to be built in one of the parking places. But let me tell you the image. It should remind all of us that are here. The sukkah speaks of our ancient roots, of our faith. And the fact that when a Gentile receives Jesus as their Messiah, they become a child of Abraham and part of the commonwealth of Israel. Much of the church doesn't understand this. But but when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you get hooked on. And not to God's people, not only that, the promises. In, In Galatians 3, verse 7, Paul writes and says, Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And then to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians 2, verse 11, wherefore remember that ye being in the past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcised by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. There was a separation between Jew and Gentile and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus Ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. So to the, the body of Christ, so to this church, if we would have a sukkah out there, it, it's a powerful image. Seeing the sukkah is a testimony of God's faithfulness to keep his promises. When you If you see the sukkah out there, you would think, Yes, God keeps his promises. You see, because if God couldn't keep his promises to Israel, hey, he's not going to keep them to us. We're, we see that God kept his promise to Israel, a people who, who denied him, who was wayward in so many ways. You know what? I can trust God to keep his promises to me. He's a promise-keeping God. Seeing the sukkah is a reminder of God's presence and Provision. God will always supply for his will to come to pass. That's a fact. God always supplies for his will to come to pass. i me tell you, if God wanted you to donate, all of a sudden, God wanted you to donate three-quarters of a million dollars, somehow he'd make sure you got it. Okay? He would make sure you have it. How? I don't know. But God's will, he always supplies for his will to come to pass. And seeing the Sukkah speaks of a glorious future. Now listen to this one. When all believers from all nations will come together to celebrate Sukkot. Every nation in the world will know, and they'll come together to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. It's a prophetic time after God intervenes again for Israel for the last time. Let's read about this. Now, it's interesting. Most pastors know about this, but they don't preach about it because they don't understand how this is going to happen. In Zechariah 14, verse 16, Then the survivors from all the nations that have attacked Jerusalem will go up year after year to worship the king, the Lord Almighty, and to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. Think about that one. If any peoples of the earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord Almighty they will have no rain. If the Egyptian people do not go up and take part, they'll have no rain. I wonder if the Egyptians know this the scripture. The Lord will bring on them the plague he inflicts on the nations that do not go up to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. This will be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all nations that do not go up to celebrate the Feast of of Tabernacles. Listen, there's going to come a time, there's going to come a time when everybody is going to understand the Feast of of Tabernacles. It's clear. Seeing the sukkah is a reminder of God's protection and the fact that nothing can separate us from the love of God. When you see the sukkah, when you see that booth, and your kid said, What's that shack? You could say, Listen, that reminds us of God's provision. That reminds us that nothing can separate us from God's love. In Romans eight twenty-eight. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the first among firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Jesus Christ, who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship we heard, a, we heard a prophecy about, about tr- trouble and hardship. And in the midst of God, in the midst of our, of our turmoil, there's, there's peace found. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, can separate you from the love of God, but you can separate yourself. But God's still going to love you. You can try to separate yourself from the love of God. And you can cut him off. But he's still going to love you. People who are backslidden, God still loves them. And the Holy Spirit is grieved. They want him to come back into, into the fold. But God still loves them. But who can separate you from the love of Christ? The bottom line is this. On the festival of Sukkot, we see the Sukkah. On Feast of of Tabernacles, we, 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 we see a booth, which is an image that is to remind us of the many things that help us to know and proclaim God's greatness to the next generation. So the rabbi of Beth Messiah talked to me. And he said, go ask your church. I hear you're speaking on on the Feast of Tabernacles. Ask your church if they might want a sukkah to build in one of the parking places. I mean, When we understand what this means to us as believers in Jesus Christ, what this symbol means to us as part of the commonwealth of Israel, how can we say, I object, unless there's no place to park for people to park, in which I objected this year. Didn't even bring it up to you. but I want you to understand the the imagery of what it means to us. Did you know there are already churches around the world that put up a sukkah? You think we're the first ones that might pull one up? No, there are already churches that do it because they understand this imagery. When you're driving through some of these neighborhoods in the Milwaukee area, and you see it in an old beatered shack in the back. You'll go, ah, I know what that is. That is a sukkah. Imagery. Imagery. So we can remember. We need to rem- remember these things as members of the body of Christ. Amen? Amen? I think so. I think so let's all stand together please there's an old song we used to sing how great is our god how great is his name now in this song in this song there's still an imagery an imagery of how great god is that that he rolled back the waters of the mighty red sea and he said to the israelites put your trust in me again This is Old Testament, but it has New Testament relevance. If you know the song, sing along with me. We'll sing it through twice. How great is our God. How great is his name. How great is our God. Forever the same. He rolled back the waters of the mighty Red Sea. And he said to his people, put your trust in me. Again, how great is our God. How great is his name. How great is our God forever the same. He rolled back the waters of the mighty Red Sea. And he said to his people, put your trust in me. Through good times and bad times, in the midst of a storm, God's love is is with us. God is with us. He's in us. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you'll get through your hard times. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I love you a lot. Listen.